Oh, it's time for bringing in David Thorpe. Gerard Hector, how are you? Good. I was doing better, though. I think Gerard made fun of how my wife really thinks about me. <laughs> there was a little touch of that no, in the warm-up. No, a little no, touch. No, no. no one's more surprised than I am that I ended up being a handsome man. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you. It's as shocking as anything else I've had in my life. And Chrissy agrees. That's all I'm saying. She well, agrees. I, I think maybe more than Chrissy, but that's a whole other part. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I, I don't know if we want that out in the public sphere, but moving on. Yeah, later in the show, David, we're worried. actually going to address the topic of David thinks there's too much trash talk. Like, that's actually <laughs> right, right, right. That is true. <laughs> that is in our document today. <laughs> Chrissy's not worried. <laughs> um. All right, all right. So on Friday, Drod was like, you know, should we talk about Roe versus Wade? And 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 I was like, why would we? We're a basketball podcast. Other people are really good at this. And I kind of felt like I talked you out of it, even though I'm sure you had incredible <laughs> thoughts on it. And then some jerk off. <laughs> I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> we both saw it on Sunday, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. He tweets, um, what's most alarming to me about this whole thing is the shocking silence of the NBA media, which is like... What did you think when you saw that, Gerard? I was just, at first I was like, man, see, I was going to say something. <laughs> but then my boss was like, eh, let's not. Now, I, you know, those things do annoy me because we do, we are true, right? We are about finding truths, not just in the NBA, but just in general in the world, right? We want the world to be a better place than it currently is. And we talk about it often, right? The shadowy figures that cause problems for literally everyone else, right? The half percent that control what 99.9% of the rest of us get to do with our lives, right? And that's a problem. And so, you know, this situation, again, is, is an example of that, right? Minority rule. You, we, you know how difficult it is to get this country to agree on literally anything. <laughs> we, we can't agree on is ice cream a good dessert or not? Because there'll somebody be like, no, it's cake. And it's like, all right, like, you can like, it's fine. Like, we, you, you, can't, you can't get people to agree on anything, but... There are two issues seemingly as Americans we all agree on. One being common sense gun laws, the other being Roe versus Wade being a federally protected act, right? That's majority agree on that. Yet still, the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, decided, yeah, the two things you guys actually agree on as a, as a body politic, eh, fuck that. <laughs> we're, 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 not gonna, we're not gonna move forward. And that's just so, it, it's, I mean, problematic seems like a, a poor use of, of, of language in, in this example, but this is what it is. Minority rule, authoritarian rule. Uh, I believe, Henry, you called it a right-wing fascist hellscape. I mean, this, this is where we are. Something Sounds close. Sounds like me. <laughs> Something close. This is, this is the, the world we live in, and it's, it's just, honestly, it's fucking depressing. Like, it's fucking depressing. It is. Uh, and we don't, and, you know, and we're a basketball podcast and mostly, I mean, we were just saying, like, we just want to play basketball. We just want to watch Alley Oops and yeah, man, Big Ray go left. And no, oh, Dipsy Doodle, beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but again, also, we don't want to be stupid. So I don't, I, my first thought in hearing that guy's tweet was like, first of all, we're mostly dudes. Probably don't need to drive here. Second of all, like, mm -hmm. more mansplaining is really what the world needs. Like, are you sure? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, there are things we can do in our personal lives. Like, you know, we, in, I, I was at the women's march after Trump was elected mm -hmm. with my kids and wife and like you know and every every nightmarish thing that was predicted by different signs there is coming true like anyway so it doesn't seem like something we have to do but then of course I spent the rest of the day kind of thinking more about this and coming up with this little thing that I'm going to say now which hopefully won't uh, everybody's just going to turn off the podcast now. But, no, but no, they'll love it. Hang my, in there. We got, we'll get to I, I think it does, it does connect to what we do here, True. All right, so here's my little thought. Um, my friend David Thorpe right there has, a word, has words that I've written on the wall in my office which say it's hard to be perfect, but it's not hard to be decent. There's a lot going on politically. It's dizzying. A lot of it's heart-wrenching, and people are being indecent for sure in organized, cruel ways that victimize women, minorities, the unarmed, the environment we all depend on in truly shocking ways. I don't know how useful we can be on an NBA podcast. We won't talk about this for long, but just know that we're eager to lift up the safety and dignity of everybody, especially those who are under attack right now. We want to help make the world a more decent place. Maybe I'll see some of you to protest this summer. We also don't want to take our eye off the ball. One part of the story sounds a lot like a troop topic. A year ago, Rhode Island Senator Sheldon Whitehouse spoke on the floor of the Senate about a decades-long scheme to take over the Supreme Court with dark money. He mentioned shell entities with no employees, shared post office boxes, shared presidents of those entities, and anonymous advertising. 
It has the earmarks, says Senator Whitehouse, of a covert operation of the sort that is run by hostile countries in the intelligence arena. And the senator said that his committee has identified nearly half a billion dollars in dark money spent in shadowy ways, and it worked. What's the opposite of a popular movement? Instead of lots of people in the sunshine, this movement was a few people in the dark. In the most celebrated democracy in the plant's history, a pile of money spent carefully over time proved to be more powerful, more politically effective than the will of the public, settled law, or elected officials. I don't know whose money that was, but I know it's important to identify your enemy, to pull back the curtain and see the sad man claiming to be the Wizard of Oz. And here's where it touches the NBA. You go sniffing around NBA billionaires and Jeffrey Epstein, and it gets awfully close to all this stuff Sheldon Whitehouse is talking about. Dark money. We had the world's leading expert on that topic, Oliver Bullock, on this little show years ago to help us understand basketball, intelligence-like operations. The former executive director of the CIA, with all kinds of baggage and history and right-wing craziness, is on the board of Apollo Global, the NBA's most important source of cash right now. Adam Silver's college roommate is the president, and fortunes that led to the Sixers and the Hawks emanate from this pile of money. And importantly, oil money. We're decades into this industry pulling the strings of government. Democracy is dead in many of the richest oil countries in the world. People who run the UAE and Saudi Arabia also played a leading role in using money to decide who runs Egypt. Vladimir Putin is an oil field leader, using oil as a weapon to fund an invasion of Ukraine and control much of Europe as we speak. The leaders of the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Russia all have many overlaps with Jeffrey Epstein and U.S. private equity, the big dumb river of money that flows into Wall Street and the NBA. Part of what's happening in America is about ideology and right versus left, neighbor disagreeing with neighbor, sister disagreeing with brother. I don't want to discount that. But another part of it is about this half billion dollars, these wizards of Oz, these intelligence-like stealth operations to take decisions and countries away from regular people like you and me. A lot of what's happening right now is just us, regular people, feeling the sting of having decisions made somewhere else by people who mostly just care about controlling the world. I've seen The Handmaid's Tale. For some dumb reason, this little crew of backroom billionaire creeps, however they really make their money, whatever they really want, loves the NBA. We aren't sniffing around them for fun. We're sniffing around them because it's scary as shit, and the NBA is up to its eyeballs in their mess. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you, it means the world to me, Gerard, that I could sense as I was reading this thing that you were nodding. I was like, man, a good nod does a lot. Like that's a good. That's a thank you very much for that. <laughs> okay, I, I love that you open with with David's with David's words. David, let's your thoughts because I know you you have you have them. I, I mean, it's hard to follow you guys, and I'm not. I don't know that I'll add anything interesting, but um, I there's a lot of people who who are blaming this on religion uh, as part of it, and the religion's just a Trojan horse because what Henry is saying is. Is the real answer? There's, there's, there's people that, and Henry, you know, at Troop, we've been writing about it because they're buying our teams or investing in the NBA that see capitalism as a zero sum game, and so for every everyone they can suppress and keep in poverty, it, they they get that money because it, it can't be at both places, and so this is what that is. This is supremacy. This is in many cases white supremacy, but it's certainly human supremacy because it keeps poor people poor. And uh, th that they're using religion to, to get those things done, to get, convince people they're doing, quote unquote, God's work. But they know it's not about religion. Uh, what, what sickens me beyond the more obvious thing, I, I do have a, a wife and a daughter of, of that age. She's 21. Uh, and nieces, and you can imagine. And then nephews, too, and a son, all the same age. Um, but what sickens me, guys, is to Henry's... Uh, speech to, uh, or, or soliloquy delivering. Uh, I've heard the term Jeremiah. I recently learned from yeah, Twitter. I like good. that. Yeah, that's good. We've yeah. got, <laughs> we've got justices who blatantly lied in their hearings to be appointed. And, and not only did they lie then, but in, in their, um, their, the, the, the findings that they just uh, delivered to overturn Roe v. Wade, they lied about that. Alito talked about how there's no, there's no, abortion isn't part of our national past. And he used legal terms. That's a lie. The abortion has been talked about and written about for centuries in America. It is something, and I forget about what happened before that. We're strictly talking here. Uh, there's a, an enterprising journalist who looked it up. They, he went to the old newspapers from the 1700s and found many, many examples hmm. of abortion. So, so Alito lied in his delivery just the other day. And so, so we are, Henry, Gerard's been talking about this for, since we started this program. 
uh, it, the system is so broken that th th this one area where we should all at least have some degree of faith in, not that I ever have. My dad as a lawyer taught me early on the Supreme Court is not something you can trust when you consider the incredibly terrible things they've passed in the past. And here we are again with, with modern proof of how deceitful they can be. Why they were deceitful? Could be they got paid off. Could be they, they were compromised. That's a whole different argument. But I know this at the bottom line is it's hard to be decent. I said, I was, when I told Henry that thing, I was wrong. It's hard to be decent in the face of what we're dealing with because decency alone may not be enough. We need to be, for, for me, for my own peace of mind, but there has to be some fighting. I'm not talking about guns and knives. There has to be money donated, leaders, leaders taking part to, to protect our people, to protect our women, rich and poor alike but mostly the ones that need it most. That's what, that's where I'm, it's, it's, I mean, women I've talked to are crying, including my mother. She said to me and my, my brother the other day, she's 81 in November. And my brother's like, why are you crying, mom? Like, you don't have to be crying. And she said, look at what I've left you. I'll be gone soon enough. We're, we're hoping 20 years, make her a hundred. That's her goal. Great. But we're all hoping to be around a lot longer and her, as will her grandchildren, great grandchildren. And she's sick as to where we are right now, knowing what they've come through. She was, a, she was born in 41. World War II was just really getting started for a, a month after she was born, month and four days, five days, was when World War II started for us. And she had such hope, and it's gone. And it sucks. I mean, she's, she's seeing the world go backwards, like, right? I mean, she's seeing it go back to what it was like. When, when she, when she, it's like, what, what is happening? The world is yeah. literally going backwards. She says that all the time. And... Yeah. You know, I, I wish Judy was here because as, as a legal scholar, you know, the Constitution, I mean, this is a document that was created in the 1700s that, you know, was supposed to be this living, breathing document. We know when it was created, women had no rights. Black people weren't even considered whole people. Right. I mean, it's it just and there's no what has been the evolution of that that piece of paper that we base our laws and, and the things that we do in this country on. Why is the Supreme Court full of people who get lifetime appointments? That is fucking insane. Who? No one needs to be appointed to life to anything. Literally nothing, right? Like nothing you need to do for the rest of your life. Like there's got to be some, you know, the ways in which we, as again, the body politic, right? It is the majority of us. We start fighting more than our votes, right? It's about, hey, when we vote for you, you say you're going to do this, this, and this. Oh, you didn't do it? You're out, right? Like it, these, this is what it means to be an active part of, a government, a working government, which ours isn't right now. And again, Henry, to tie it back to the NBA, we don't know where that $400 million is. We don't know who's who it's from. Is there any connection to the Supreme Court? I don't know. Same thing with the NBA. We're going to have two new teams come in here within short term. And it's going to be somewhere around $5 billion total, <laughs> give or take. $5 billion doesn't grow on trees. Very few people have that kind of money to, and we know where it comes from, not good sources. Really tough pivot coming up here, guys. <laughs> you just remember the, the, the three minutes. The three minutes before we came on air, I spoke to one of my assistants who is working out an NBA player, and I was, I was, I'm not there today. I'll be there tomorrow. And we're talking about very, very, like we're talking about boomerang action, which I'm going to get into, <laughs> like very specific half court actions. And then we go to this. It's funny. I'm happy, but this is true. So who's going to be are. the first person to say Jalen Brunson after this? <laughs> Does it <Yeah>. mean? <laughs> do I have to say it? Yeah. Yeah, you do. I mean, uh, well, Randy, this is, this is your time, Randy. Nick's and Jalen Brunson. Get ready. There's no, honestly, there, I find this, we're going to have free agency starts later this week. We had the draft. It's a fascinating little period of like, mm, starting to see how next season's coming together. But wait, there's a lot of unknowns. And in this space, I really like knowing David Thorpe because his brain is particularly good at like kind of, well, what is Jalen Brunson worth, right? It's a very big question right now. Um, and I, I, you know it's a hot topic when the Mavs website, Mavs Moneyball, has published stories on one, pay Jalen Brunson whatever he's worth, and two, we already screwed this up. Like, we, we got to let him go, basically. Um, really? Well, well, it says, okay, they're basically like the Mavs are the 2019 Blazers that kind of overachieve by making a bigger run, but the West is going to be very competitive and they need like big improvements to win the West, not just keeping Jalen Brunson. And if they pay him a whole bunch, they don't think that they will be, he'll be easy to trade. Um, so they think that maybe the best thing is to trade him right now. 
Um, anyway, what do you think, David? I, as a, as a player next to Luca, I really like him. For him to score requires a lot of work. He, he is undersized, not athletic, incredibly gifted. Incredibly gifted. When you can score like he can score without having a height advantage, without having the athleticism advantage, that's talent. It's one of the ways we define talent. I do anyway. But it requires a ton of energy. And then to be, I thought he was a better than average defender. Turns out he's not. I called Henry this morning about it. Let, let's call, I think he's an average defender. Which in, means in, for, in, in EPM, he's the 91st percentile offensive player, 51st percentile defensive. Which, by the way, at that percentile, you're a negative defensive player. Like you're, right, you're a little bit. Right. But. So, yeah, he's slightly negative. So you've got to really, when you look like him, you have to really fight to be average. Mm-hmm. And right. we just come, we're just coming off a postseason where one of the finest athletes in the world, Jason Tatum, absolutely ran out of gas. And that dude's six eight, six nine, and gifted athletically, uh, and other places too. And guards, Tatum guards also. He isn't just an offensive player, uh, and he ran out of gas. And so, if you're the Knicks, is Brunson going to get you up a spot? Yeah, probably. It's a big upgrade over over what you're probably going to employ the next three years. If you're the Mavericks, can you replace him with something at a much more reasonable cost? Probably. Probably. Uh, uh, it's easier playing next to Luca than it knows almost anyone in, in the world. And so it's I hadn't thought about Dallas trading him it, it, until Henry just said it, but um, I don't think about the Mavericks a lot. Uh, I think about Luca, and that's probably the point. So don't kill yourself on on that guy when you need some other th- you need you need a lot more not just a little more you need a lot more help to beat some of these teams in the West when they reload and get their you know, players back Clippers Nuggets they're two of the two of them Lakers possibly so it makes some sense the Mavs Moneyball is probably right they're right a lot they're smart but they're on both sides they have they published both articles right oh that's true that's that was true. a published the one saying and which is right I mean this is like a yeah, I think it's it's, it's very rare to come up with a player, a young player who develops into something as wonderful as Jalen Brunson. And it's just impossible as a fan to like, think that the right thing is to say goodbye. <laughs> right. It just yeah. feels so wrong, but these prices. It depends are- on what you do. How many years will he, he's probably going to want a bigger deal, longer deal. He's how old is he now? 25. 25. We said, yeah, he's got two decent contracts left, depending on what happens. Um, you know, if they could, if they could do a two plus one, wouldn't be so bad, but he'll probably want, you know, a four or five year deal. I would think. Would you pay him a lot, Sherrod? Uh, uh, no. I, I'm, I'm hearing more. he wants more than the Fred Van Vliet deal, and that was 4 and 80. Well, I want more than the Fred Van Vliet deal. Oh, it, too, he's going to want 25 years. <laughs> we, we all want more than the Fred Van Vliet deal. Um, he's going to want 25 years, I would think. Which, to me, again, to your point, Coach, you're small. So, And now that I take you, if I take you to somebody, you know, you sign and trade or you sign him out as a free agent. You are now no longer next to Luka Doncic, and I have to ask you to do the same things. I, that's probably not likely, right? If I'm the Knicks, I have nobody anywhere near Luka Doncic's nope. talent level. So what am I going to expect you to do at $25 million a year on a team that we're nowhere near being anything consistently good? So that's just bad money. We talk about the bonus wins and does the contract make sense? And it's like, I don't, I mean, I know $25 million a year for him on a team like that doesn't work. Like you're, you're not, that's not going to be, you're not getting good value there. You're not getting wins. What's he give you? Maybe two wins. Maybe he helps you to two wins over the course of a year. How does that help? I mean, he's an 86 percentile player all around. I think my worry would just be, so at 25, like, I guess that's going to, he's going to stay, he's most likely to stay around there. And that's pretty good production. Um, I think though, just because of his size and work level, right? Like you would expect that he'll be a little more taxed and he'll age a little faster, right? Like it's, he's going to, his thirties is, are going to be a little worse than Jason Tatum's thirties, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. His curve is going to be, that's how it normally goes. He could defy us all, but, um, but you have to make these probabilistic bets when you're handing out contracts. Right. And this is where it just feels like, mm, little. Yeah. well, something, something to address to, to finish your thought, Henry, uh, in the same terrain, because you're right. Uh, I was one of those people who believed uh, early in my in my career with the NBA that the best aged players were the ones that survived on craft and skill because mm-hmm. it it kind of 
is intuitive. Mm-hmm. If they're just relying on their craft and skill, that's not going to diminish so fast when their athleticism does. But the reality is the, the, lower, the below average athletes, their craft and skill makes up for their lack of athleticism until they get over that point where they just can't move the way you need to be able to move. And then that fall is precipitous. Yeah. And every, everyone's different. PJ Tucker is going to get what now? Jeez. Like he's about to sign another long deal. Um, I'll be honest. I told, I told Kevon Looney's agent the other day, like that should be motivation to learn to shoot a three. All Tucker shoot corner threes and then play D and people keep wanting to pay him. He doesn't move great. He moves well enough, but I think he's a little bit overrated that way. Looney can really move. So he's 25. Yeah. And, uh, and he's big. So learn, he doesn't shoot threes. Learn to shoot threes. And then you could be P.J. Tuggerty, like 38 years old. But yeah, so Brunson, at that position too, think about mm-hmm. how quick and fast our typical guards are. So yeah, now's the time to make his money. He's, he's going to age, I think, faster than the average NBA player. Um, D- Stephen Lardy and I are deep into Travis Eddie right now. Like a, we're kind of, kind of really actually launched this bonus wins thing this week. Um, these are all the kinds of questions we're going to get to ask in a new way, right? Like, you know, what is Jalen Brunson worth last year? You know, and then actually we've talked a fair amount about um, production curves, not a new concept, but maybe an under celebrated concept, which is basically, you know, well, if you're a NBA point guard and at 25 years old, you're here, then this is the curve, right? We expect you to peak probably around 27 and you're going to start early. And then, you know, you can actually kind of somewhat reasonably project age 32 and it helps with the old contract, you know, the um, contract analysis. Oh, and the other thing is, by the way, number one, Chris Paul's laughing at us. Cause he's like, I can still do this when I'm 110. So there's that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and number two, the CBA, you know, so super max players are getting 35% of the, of whatever, the cap becomes, mm-hmm. which is absolutely cr- crazy amount of money. But this, this Fred Van Vliet range of money, which looks very high now, which is a fixed dollar amount, might look less crazy in a few years. That's right? what every agent's saying. Right. It might be that your $22 million or whatever he ends up getting over four or five years is cheap in four years. Could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what agents are pitching. Yeah. You buy that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, yeah. just as a, as comparative, sure. Um, it's uh, it still depends on the player and the team and the franchise. You know, you're it's still a lot of money. If your team sucks, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. What are you paying for? You know, you're paying for a guy that's aging out of his peak years on a team that's no good. You never want to. You have to trade that player. Well, in in, in math sense, it make, it 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 is true, right, Henry? Because the cap goes up every year, right? But I mean, as long as basketball revenue does, yeah. Yeah, I think you can go way up in a few years. That's yeah. the hope. As long as we don't have Armageddon, that would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> or zombies. We have to worry about all that stuff. Yeah. Have you seen the spotted lantern flies? They act just like zombies. Um, okay. Uh, moving on to another so-so defender, uh, Kyrie Irving. That's the topic. Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, where are we? What's the deal? Jesus. He's like the best. He's pound for pound. Best offensive player in the league, maybe. He's I mean, right there. He's right there. He, he's so supremely skilled and talented. It's fucking stupidly absurd how good he is at basketball. Yeah. Your problem is, I don't know how often I'm getting that over the course of an 82 game season plus the playoffs. That's one problem. <laughs> yes, yes, that's one problem. Yeah. <laughs> Showing up, being a great right. teammate. I, I, right. I don't think he's ever a jerk that way. I, I don't. I don't ever remember reading about players hate him, whatever. But. Just being, you know, rowing with the canoe is, it's in question. It's in question. Oh, no, it's not in question. He, he, don't, he don't row. No, he don't, okay, not, yeah, you're he right. Row. <laughs> it's not, you're, he does not row. <laughs> he, yeah, he could, that could always change. But historically speaking, at least for the last few years, four or five years, uh, that's been the case, right? He is not cooperating. Uh, we, we have a saying, I got this from Long Kruger, but I'm sure he got it from someone because it sounds like it's 100 years old. When your best player is your hardest worker, your, your team has a chance to really be great. I've since tweaked it over the years to say when, you're, when your best player is your hardest worker and your best teammate. 
that's that's when you really have a chance to, I think, you'd be special in today's world. That's when and David just think- changed basketball lore to fit Scotty Barnes. Just like, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was thinking. You see that mind meld? That, yeah. That's a mind meld that, yeah. like, maybe you maybe only have that with your wife and Henry. <laughs> right. Probably it. Probably right. just those two people. Yeah. <laughs> I really was thinking Scotty Barnes. Like, <laughs> of course, of course. But it, he's years away from being the best friend of his team because that's Siakam. Who is their hardest worker and an amazing teammate. And we're going to get to his Cameroonian roots later. For whatever reason, he's just a very gentle spirit, uh, but a, a machine working, uh, pl- makes the right, you know, you don't ever read Nick Nurse talking about how Siakam's got to pass the ball more like, like Idoge did, Idoge did in Boston. Um, but yeah, we, we can define a lot of teams. Now, listen, LeBron, he, 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 does, he can break that axiom a little bit because he's just so over the world, over the top better. But, I mean, Curry is, as good as he is, is also, you know, as hard a work as you're going to get and as good a teammate you're ever going to find anywhere. And he's, he's the guy in the dynasty now. And the last guy to be on the dynasty was Duncan. Now, before that was Shaq and Kobe, question marks. Jordan, question marks. The game has changed a little bit now. And uh, all these players are making so much money. It's, it's easier to deal with ego when your best player shows you how to do it. It's a, so, if it comes, we have a lot now, guys, with players, is who is going to accept a role, knowing that you're not going to make as much money if you accept that role. So David's got certain sensitivities that most sports observers don't, right? Like, I can tell you that Greg Oden was in Summer League when he was like, the Blazers need to have a plan to have life without Greg Oden. And yeah. at that time, everyone said he was a hater. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just like, yeah. but... You know, and, and, or the Celtics were in the first round and he was like, you know, with, with young Tatum and Brown and David's like, we got to trade Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. And everyone's like, that's hater, hater, right? Like, right, like, Coach Thorpe. Um, Shaden Sharp brought up a little bit of this thing where David's very sensitive to people who aren't that keen to play. Right. Oh, David, turn down your, you're, we're, getting, oh. we're getting feedback. Some, you know, from, you know, from the speaker. It was from my, um. I got it. Like these words are from Mount Rushmore. <laughs> they are like going through the, like, but um, so I, I'm noticing that David's very sensitive to Kyrie's lack of love of the game or evident lack of love of the game, right? David, this is not like, I want to make sure I get you for more games. It's like, just stay away from my team, right? I'm worried about the mojo here, right? Is that right? Yeah, right. No, exactly right. And I see how Gerard affirmed it. Uh, he knows better than me. Um, you know, the thing about the NBA season, you, you, We've talked, because of Henry initially, I've been going back with him along, you know, a decade plus now, the season itself is such a grind physically. But it takes other tolls. There's other taxes that you pay. And it just seems uh, when, you, when, you, when you aren't rowing all together, everything's harder. And the league's already hard enough to win a bunch of games. I mean, my, Miami got kind of, you know, they, they, they were the first seed and they didn't make it to the finals. And Giannis is maybe the best player in the world. I, I give it to Jokic. Well, between them, they have one ring. You know, Giannis only made one final. It's already hard enough. I just think that Kyrie is such a magnet. He, he draws that tension and that drama. And I, 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 I try to avoid that if I'm running a team. You know? Just where I was going. Just where I was yeah. going, Coach. I... I I know for a fact that stance of not taking the vaccine while publicly they were all like, you know, it's Kyrie's decision, blah, 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 whatever. That shit wore on them all season. For sure. All season long. Every time somebody comes in and asks, oh, do you think if Kyrie was here, blah, blah, blah. It's like that that just, it wore on them. They just got exhausted by it. And it's like, dude, why can't you just do this thing for us? Like we're all here because we want to do, but you're not. David's point, you're not rowing. You're not even in the boat, right? And when you do get in the boat, <laughs> you're rowing the other way. You're on the, you're like, on the pier. You're on the right, you're, you're doing something else. It's like, you're not helping us here. And that, you know, I was saying to someone the other day, would you take 60% of Kyrie Irving for someone, you know, you can count on and be there all the time? And, and I'm like, at that point, you got to be like, yeah, right? At least I know you may not ever give me 50 points on 18 shots, but you're going to show up every single day and you're going to do everything I need you to do. That might be worth it, right? Just to not have that headache. It's a good, 
I was going to say, it's an interesting juxtaposition to your point. Andrew Wiggins on day one did not mm-hmm. want to take that vaccine. Mm-hmm. And he did. And we've never talked about it. We actually said on this show, we'll never talk about it again until now we didn't. It went away. It, it went it, away. It, right. Just and, and I'll tell you, I, I obviously I coach a lot of players who are on teams. Wiggins and Kyrie weren't the only ones. Oh, yeah. But I'm... Kyrie's the only one that I know of that refused to take it. And and I, I have um, I, I know of people of every religion, Native American, every ethnicity who were reticent to take the vaccine, but their team, I don't mean just basketball, their team said, you can't do this. We can't have you without it. And so they just did it. We're not like talking about branding yourself. Right. Or, or tattoos or something that hurts. This is a vaccine that we know. I mean, you might, you might argue it's one of the safest. It, did you read the other day how many millions of people they think it saved? Yeah. It just came yeah. out like on Thursday, a huge study of, of how many tens of millions of people they think it probably saved the life of. And so this is what we're talking about here. It, 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 he's just, I think he likes being belligerent. Oh, for sure. I mean, so why he, would you he, deal with that? Why, as he's, a team, I wouldn't. He's someone who, for sure, and we know he's like this, right? He's always going to be the smartest guy in the room, right? Like, he knows a lot about everything, and it's like, okay, cool, but maybe you don't know a lot about everything, right? You know tons about basketball. I'll give you that, for sure. For sure. But I don't know a lot about everything. And again, to your point, Coach, as you're at Sean Marks, you're an organization, yes, the, the risk is upsetting KD and all that, but, and we do this in every walk of life, not just the NBA uber talented people get longer ropes than people who aren't as talented right that's just how companies work but if your company's ultimate game is winning that isn't helping the winning part right so as much as the talent is there it's not helping the wins i mean we saw the graphic it's like of the 260 odd some games he could have played through his next career he's played like 130 of them that, that that's not helping right that's as talented as you are you're not helping the ultimate thing which is winning so we gotta we gotta cut our losses, and even if that means we're going to upset KD, fine. Like, Do you think he'd be upset, Gerard? I, I don't think so publicly. I think, or privately, I think what what he's gonna get upset about is, all right, fine, we move Kyrie, but now we can't do anything moving wise and getting players and whatever. And it's like, yeah, we can't because of you. Because you said we have to get James Harden, and we gave up all these things to get him. Right? You, this is this is a domino effect. You said we have to have DeAndre Jordan here. Okay, fine. We did him when we got him here. He's not in the league anymore. And we, you, you fired Kenny Atkinson because you didn't want to play him over Jared Allen over him. Okay, well, we got rid of Jared Allen. We got rid of Karis LeVert. We got rid of our draft control for the next seven seasons. Of course we can't do anything because you said we had to do all these things to get these people who, by the way, one of them, James Harden, no longer here. Like, what? <laughs> you see? So you're mad at me? What, what, if I'm Sean Marks, what, you handcuffed me. What am I supposed to do now? I got. Nothing. I have an answer to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know you do. I have a good answer for that, and you guys will love this answer. They they do pay Ben Simmons. He's under contract. Am I right? They do. They do. That guy's been an All NBA player. Yeah, he should be ascending. You better invest all your resources, psychologically, physically, physiologically. Uh, that young man can really help the Nets win a championship with KD as their best player. So there's the answer. Let's get some auxiliary pieces in place. The Gary Payton's, I mean, Henry wrote an article, but just read True Hoop, Mr. <laughs> the Mr. Nets franchise, and read, be inspired by Henry's words about these players that made big differences. I mean, Kavon Looney got paid $5 million this year. He was, I would say, probably their fourth most consistent player behind Curry and Wiggins and, and possibly Green. But definitely more consistent than Clay. Gary Payton made nothing. Right, Jordan Poole was the the twenty eighth pick of the draft. Guys, you have what Coach, you need there with Ben Simmons. Would you say the Warriors do not win the title without Kevon Looney and Greg Gary Payton the second? Yeah, I would definitely say that. I, I would definitely question say that. about it. I'm not sure they get out of uh, the Memphis round. Like Looney was their best player those last few games, and very key in some other games. So Ben, but now, now no Ben Simmons, KD. You can give all the Loonies you want; won't matter. <laughs> but they got Ben Simmons. It's true. And you've got a, all year to help him get to his peak. You've such a good movie scene, right? Like, like Kevin Durant has envisioned, well, I mean, he was with all these superstars in Golden State. He's envisioned like, no, we're going to do it with like my chosen crew. And it's going to be this list of superstars. And now it's like none of those guys, <laughs> right? And he's going to be like, 
who are you? You're Ben Simmons. Like, okay, like here we go, buddy. <laughs> you know, like right. last but chance. He, he, but here's the irony of that vision. If you, if you were to envision in a in a lab, who is the perfect compliment to it's Kevin not Durant? Not bad. Yeah. The, right. There's a few. It's and not bad. Ben Simmons, Ben's ben Simmons is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. A guy that can play literally five positions on defense and is a brilliant passer. Oh, by the way, he'll get your team 40 points a game in transition when you're not involved. Can just switch one through five, running. can rebound. Like, and if they don't and have Kyrie, the best player? then you're saying to Ben, A, here's the ball, and B, we need you. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's like a yeah. pretty good message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And, and he'll be only too happy to throw the ball to KD in a way Westbrook didn't in crunch time. Yeah. Only too happy to do that. Yeah. And then run back on defense. You can't throw it back to him. Maybe <laughs> 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 he'll be fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll work out. He's already yeah. going to take, Kitty's already going to end those possessions, right? Like he's already right. going to. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fine. You got Ben Simmons there. I, I mean, like, but that's the thing. I mean, I, in terms of who's got leverage, who doesn't, like, I think the Nets maybe have, if we're looking at leverage buckets or leverage coins, maybe they have half a coin more than Kyrie, right? Because, but otherwise, but it, right? Otherwise, it's kind of a, eh. And I don't know that he's going to leave $37 million on the table. Maybe he might. He did throw away $18 million this year by not taking the vaccine. So, well, what do you, He's a free agent, right? He no, can be. He, it's up to him. He can be. Yeah, yeah. He can be. So what what so Gerard, do you have any feel at all for who might throw some money at him and how much it might be? There's always dumb t- dumb teams out there. Yes. Right? Dumb's not the right word. There's always No dumb dumb is right. De- no, well, yeah. desperate's probably <laughs> but desperate's probably a better word. No, I mean, but somebody might like I mean honestly, like the Lakers are pretty old and mm-hmm. you know they don't he would need to decide to go there because he wants to go there the way right. the cap works. Um mm-hmm. But their prospects of a championship are very slim, and I don't think it'd be dumb at all. Like if I, I mean, if I ran the Lakers, I would be, you know, everything we just said about Kyrie notwithstanding, like they might win a championship with him. Like it's possible. I don't think likely, but their chances go up if they sign him. Like I agree. Jeannie Buss is like, so Kyrie, about the taxpayer mid-level exception. Yeah. How do you how do you feel about that? (laughs) Speaking of the Buss family. One minute. One minute. uh, My brother was in town this weekend from Miami to visit my mom and I, and um, he made us. He made me. He asked if we could watch Winning Time again Mm -hmm. because I I know my little brother who's little brother. He's fifty five. We were we were Lakers guys. I was a Laker guy, and he was my younger brother. So we did all of this together. We watched the the Game Six Finals. I've written about it with forty two, fifteen, and seven together. We listened on the radio first in my bedroom, um, and he wanted to watch this first Winning Time with me. And Norm Nixon was my favorite player, as he remembered very well. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen Winning Time, Gerard? Have you seen? Oh it? yeah, oh yes. So just I don't want to go into it because I've only seen one episode. I'll watch the others soon enough, but. John C. Riley's performance is, is just, it's brilliant writing too. It's really funny. Forget about, it's not, it, I mean, he calls it hyper-realism, Adam McKay, right. hyper-realism. Yeah. I, I get all of that. Uh, the Jerry West thing, notwithstanding too, which is pretty yeah. funny um, and, and maybe stupid, I don't know. Uh, it's just, he's a very witty character on the show. Yeah, it's funny to say, there's, it's not just slapstick stuff. It's funny, witty humor. Oh, John C. Riley as the late Dr. Jerry Buss in Winning Time. I mean, caricature is like, I mean, it is yeah. some funny, funny so good. stuff. Like the open shirt with all the hair coming over the top yeah. and the gold chain. I'm like, this is, hey man, it's the 80s, baby. We're like, <laughs> just, just clever, so, clever. So I'm looking good. forward to it. Do you like now, the series, Rod? I, I did. Now, you know, Jerry and Kareem not happy campers with that series at all. Like, a matter of fact, Jerry, uh, Jerry West lawyers, like, wrote yeah. a thing to, like, HBO and Adam McKay. Like, they are, do not like how they were depicted. What? But so bit. He is pretty funny. Jerry West cussing all the time was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, I get it. I wouldn't want to be uh, right. on a TV show like that. Made right. out to be the kind of guy they made Jerry out to be. I haven't seen Kareem much. I've only seen one episode. He was fine in the episode yeah, I saw. Yeah, you'll, you'll, I mean, it's all the stuff that, you know, Kareem is a malcontent. He's a, you know, it's all the, all the things. that. You know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I love Kareem. No, he's, you know. Minority what else one. we got, Henry? Okay, so defense is half the game. Kevon Looney and Gary Payton do that thing. And as we mentioned earlier, I actually have this salary right here. Gary Payton made 1.9, uh, as we've discussed before. Oh um, Kevon Looney made $5 million. Steal. Um, the Warriors would like to keep both of them. And 
um, are in a position where their incremental dollars they spend now, they're going to pay roughly seven to one in tax, tax to salary, because <laughs> the repeater tax is whatever at 1.5x, I think, and then they're playing 4.5x in the top tier. So 4.5 to 1.5, I think that's how we get there, something like that. Um, seven to one. Do you think they love defense that much? <laughs> no. I don't think so. Actually, yes, I do. I think I think they love winning that much. I think that um, I, I have some inside information on this. Uh, I think it's possible they're, they're going to keep Looney and Peyton, as opposed to not possible. I do think it's – I don't think they'll keep all three out of Porter being the third one. I don't know if they can get all three of them back. But yeah. I can see – Peyton and Looney returning. For, and what for kind of salaries do you think? What's a fair price? You know, I don't know about Peyton. Um, I think Looney's got a chance. To, I think I think they can pay him more than the taxpayer mid-level because he they have his bird rights. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 10 a year, which is 70 a year. <laughs> 70 a year is a lot of money. And Peyton, I don't know. Peyton, maybe 7, 8 a year. But he probably wants more than that. I'm sure he wants do more we, than that. Do we think that the teams in the league are smart enough to recognize what Looney and Gary Payton bring. Some teams are for sure. Insofar as they're like, or are they smart enough to be like, well, let's just offer them a ton just to take them away from the Warriors to make them less. No, I, of course, of course that's possible. But I think that in, uh, in both cases, there's, they're going to have some suitors for, for similar money. Yeah. If not, if not the same, um, I miss, they both were difference makers in the freaking finals. Yeah, yeah. Right? And the playoff, like real difference makers. And as Henry said to me this morning, I mean, Peyton might have been the best permanent defender in the league. Mm-hmm. Metrically, mm-hmm. he was, I think. Exactly. Yeah, and, he was. Uh, uh, EPM, he was right behind Draymond. And, you know, and Kerr talks about him openly like that, right? Like they, yeah, yeah they're he's not. an unbelievable defender. Yeah. yeah. And he's not Great. a terrible shooter. He's, he's 30, no, he, yeah. 37% from three, whatever. So he's limited otherwise. But, but he can be yeah. on the floor when your team is doing right. amazing things like yep. yeah which isn't true they both really make players. it in, yeah. in their own way um they can they complement stars very well and that's a big factor big. whereas jordan Poole, and i'm not criticizing jordan Poole, and i'm sure he's going nowhere but you don't know if he doesn't feel like well i need to be the star right mm-hmm. you can bring in looney and Peyton and have no worries well something interesting you, you mentioned about that coach um i think henry you're right uh the Otto Porter, Bielitsa, Damian Lees, maybe those three don't come back, right? That's those those are the margins where although Damian Lee is Steph Curry's brother in law, so yeah. and he might be a lot awkward, of money. A little awkward at Thanksgiving dinner, but you know, we'll, we'll, do, figure, that <laughs> we'll figure that out a different time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that um the Jordan Poole factor is interesting because at I mean, and you know, it's hubris and you're excited, you're drinking champagne, you're having a good time, you won the championship. On his IG story live when he's in the locker room drinking champagne. Yo, and we're all going to get the bag too. And I was like, well, some of you may get the bag. We don't and all get the bag. <laughs> yeah, right. All of us don't get the bag. <laughs> I'm waiting for the bag. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting, still waiting for the bag over here. And also, Joe Lacob ain't giving you all the bag at the same time either. Right? Some of you may get it earlier than others. Some of you may never get it. And, you know, Pat Raleigh talks about the disease of me, right? Like, can we all be cool? When it's not our turn yet, and we have to wait maybe an extra year or 18 months or whatever it is. We'll see. I mean, he's right, though. Like, if we do a weird thing. You know, here's this. He's a 23-year-old who played a super important role on this team, making $2 million. And he's look, he's with, like, that same season, Clay Thompson made $38 million. Mm-hmm. And he knows this, right? And so I think you're, he's right. He's not a weirdo that he's thinking about money. No, right? he's not right. The CBA has forced him to be just like a way high value producing guy. Um, so then I'm starting thinking about this seven to one kind of math persists into the future for the Warriors. And we have to start worrying about all these contracts and you know, these numbers get ridiculous. So then part of me is like, okay, well, let's pretend at some point, not so much, let's, at some point they're going to say enough already, enough already, right? Like if, if Steph gets hurt and they're not contending, there's no way they're paying, like, they're going to have to reduce this luxury tax bill. And so when you look around, it's like, well, you know, the big salaries are Steph Curry, who makes 45 <laughs> this past year, 48, 51, 55, and then $59 million in 2025-26 when he's going to be small and old. Um, Clay Thompson makes 
40 mil, 41 million next year and 43 million in 23 24. He's 32 right now. Um, Andrew Wiggins will, will make 33 million next year. Draymond Green, 25 million. Those are the all the big deals. Suddenly, after watching the Knicks really struggle to get Kemba Walker's nine million deal off their books, like if they decided to drop salary and cut this luxury tax bill, can they actually ditch these salaries? Mm. Can you really get someone to pay Clay Thompson forty one million dollars next season? Is that even possible? It only takes one, right, Coach? <laughs> <laughs> Only takes one. You, I always say there's one sucker somewhere. Yeah, you call Sacramento <laughs> first, and then you go from there. <laughs> you, you call know. Sacramento. <laughs> Listen, until they turn it around, they get to be made fun of. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, I'm speaking the truth. You're not lying. <laughs> that is who they're calling first. I, I, I think I told you guys, uh, I had one GM told me that uh, – he always called Jeff Petrie first. And Jeff yeah. Petrie was a well-respected GM <laughs> and had some incredible teams he put together. I'm only telling you what, what this very well-known executive told me. The we braggiest, smartest GMs just make like a total project of like being super close to the dumbest GMs. <laughs> it's, I've seen it with my own eyes. Like there's a, yeah. you know, this summer that Danny Ainge got Kevin Garnett for way below market, he was glued to his good friend, Kevin McHale, like just <laughs> loving him up, charming him, sweet talking to him, laughing at his jokes. Like it all happened in front of me at summer league. I went, even went over and talked to them for a while. And Danny's just like, Oh, Kevin. Ah! You know, like, and uh, then you got Kevin Garnett. That's how you do that. That's, that's, that's reporting right there. <laughs> Henry, that is, the good step, stuff. Henry. that is good stuff. That is good stuff. So we're so they gotta identify the it's like it's like in the in the playoffs, right? When you hunt the weakest defender on the floor in every matchup, same thing with the GMs. Who is the weak link? I see you over there, Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, I as a journalist, I'm like Jeff Petrie's the dummy, and then they're like, Oh no, no, we love Jeff Petrie. <laughs> Jeff Petrie is a very fine GM. He gets a bad rap. Let's keep him in a job. Yeah, that's how that conversation goes. Yeah. So let's see. So who are the GMs that they're all they're all loving up and say, "Oh, this guy's great. He's got to have a job." Who's who's mm. who's the one they keep they keep talking about? I mean, I'm not saying. Yeah, because <laughs> coach knows. Because <laughs> he knows. Yeah, I, I. Well, just look, it. just look, look at just the look transaction around. history. Yes, look at correct. like the sharp GMs and look at the teams they do transactions with. You'll yes. see a lot of bad teams on that list. Correct. Yeah, you will. Actually, the other thing to look for is, and this is absolutely, I mean, this is not a secret, but like, you know, if a team trades for your draft pick, it means they think you're going to suck, mm-hmm. right? They're literally betting on your incompetence. Like I've seen this firsthand where it's like, wait, yep. they said this and he said that and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh my gosh, what a bunch of idiots. I'm going to go get their draft pick. Like they're just going to fail, right? <laughs> Yes. This is straight from Wall Street. This is yep. shorting a stock, right? Like they're hundred percent. You know, getting your draft pick. Like they don't, you don't see good teams just going to get draft picks willy nilly, right? They want Sacramento's draft pick because <laughs> they know <laughs> you're going to be pretty shitty. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good pick. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> I, well, I will tell you this: Kings fans may enjoy this. Uh, we're doing something this week on the Magic. Uh, Henry, I was hoping to take a week off of writing, but Henry's not having that. Nope, no weeks off so, for you, David. You didn't explicitly sorry. say that. If you want that, you would give me <laughs> that. That's <laughs> fine, Henry. You, I would never, I would never air dirty laundry publicly. There's no dirty laundry here. Uh, so I'm doing some work on the magic on the court, and he's got some brilliant ideas off it. And um, uh, the Orlando since 2013 has averaged 28 wins a year. Jesus Christ! And the Kings at 31. Yeah, but yeah. the Magic have two playoff wins. The Kings <laughs> have- <laughs> nothing to hang your hat on, man. Oh, they're hanging that hat, man. It's a big <laughs> ass Texan hat, you know. Henry, the 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 DeVos family still owns the Magic, yeah. Yeah. No. No. no? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, oh, I misunderstood. Uh, you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's not the quite. It's not you know the it's, patriarch know, the who yeah, yeah. ruined America. Yeah, it's but it's relative. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I was thinking about the word king. Someone, you know, LeBron James has a lot of nicknames. One of them is King, right? Mm-hmm. And then when someone's like, oh, like this is the king. And then he was working out in some New York gym. Maybe you saw this little bit of video. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was like, man, we have really screwed up the word king. 
in basketball. Like the Sacramento Kings are like, like when you were talking right there about the magic, I almost said, oh, there are lots of kings. There are other kings. I'm like, that's the opposite of the word king. Like opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we just talk about magic ownership. You guys saw about Shaq? No, I, he said something about the DeVos family, right? I don't know, but I didn't see what he said. Uh, he wants to buy the team. Oh. He said he told he told the family it's, it's, it's good to want Scott. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to want. <laughs> yeah, so he but said he probably wanted to buy the team. <laughs> he doesn't have that kind of money. No, he doesn't. But he could put a group together. He's in a lot of commercials. I don't know what you get for that. But oh, I see hot. I see hot's worth anything. A ton of money in his oh, yeah. off court. Oh, I mean, he makes uh, he endorses literally everything. Yeah, I see hot generals insurance and every other thing. I mean, he does everything. Uh, he's got a ton of money, and, mm -hmm. but he's got connections. He'll put a group. He can put a group together. Yeah. Just need billions, right? Hundreds of millions and billions are different things. People. How would he? Right. How would he be uh, as an owner? That'd be fun. No, I don't know if he's any good or not, but it'd be fun. Probably terrible. I don't. Do you see Jordan calling uh, Mark Williams? Oh no! no. So Jordan they have video of Jordan calling Mark Williams. Okay. And I, I'm I don't know where they got the video from, but they have both split screen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, very quickly, I thought he's definitely mentioned that he's from Duke. Oh, yeah, like it's yeah. just Jordan is not yeah. missing that chance. Oh no! And eh, I was right. He said, you know, <laughs> even though you went to Duke, kind of thing, or you're a Dukey, we took you. And Mark handled it great. He's like, yeah, you got to bury those grudges, something like that. Mark had a great response. But I, I, it's just they can't get it out of their system. No. Does they Mark know who his new owner is? Barry Grudges? Michael Jordan? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right, true. Uh, meanwhile, they're the luckiest team in the freaking draft. The yeah. one guy they needed the most, they got at 15. Yeah. He's a great answer for them, I think. Um, okay, David, uh, you have been noticing some high-level beefing um, on social media. Got Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> basically like yeah. doing a whole thing with Draymond. I don't know if we need to recap that or not. Happy to, if you'd like, um, <laughs> skip Bayless is practically challenging Russell Westbrook to a fight. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> what the heck? Um, this is, you have an interesting point about how this affects, well, part of the audience is influential young players. Yeah. I just, I want to get Gerard's opinion a lot too. Um, I, 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 there has to be a pivot here. We, players can say whatever they want to say. Uh, they have protected speech, of course. And we, uh, we want, mostly they say fantastic things. Or they just follow the company line, which I understand. Uh, it's the media's responsibility to not get in a toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. I really have a problem where we've got battles between our best players and the guys who are covering the game for the partners that the NBA has chosen to be their broadcast uh, uh, medium. I don't, I don't like it. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for, uh, listen, a lot of these games are up at night. And if my son was still living at home when he was 12, well, he was, but I mean, right now, he'd be watching the pregame shows with me because he can't stay and watch the whole game. And they have to watch this battle back and forth. They, you know, some of these guys are read. I, when I was young, I read everything. Uh, to read about this and to see this is really problematic for me. I don't, I don't like, um, I don't think it's a good place for us to, I don't think it's a good place for us to be where the people who are broadcasting the games are fighting and arguing and they're, and they're doing it with tough talk. It's not cute and funny. So what's your thoughts on that, Gerard? Um, I, I, I largely agree, agree with you. I mean, it's stuff we've talked about all season and it's it, the talking head segment of media is something very different than what we do here at True, right? Like what Henry was schooled in at NYU, right? What I've learned over time from working with incredible people, like that's journalism, right? That's very different sourcing material, breaking stories, you know, giving people informed content about, you know, where the money from the league's coming from, different things, how teams operate, whatever. These talking heads, their only job is to generate clicks and excitement on social media. Social media engagement is their number one job. What gets engagement? Conflict and fighting and right, it's reality TV, one-on-one. -on -one. Why is it so, why do reality TV so popular? Because you have people literally fighting at dinner tables, throwing food at each other, saying nasty, snide, backhanded. That's what people want to see. That's what generates engagement. And that's what these talking heads do. So it's, let me call out Russell Westbrook and keep calling him Westbrook 
when he said nine times, don't do that to me. It's right. And this is why they love Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant will engage with them on Twitter. They're like, yes, feed the beast because this is what we need. And it then creates a discourse um, among NBA Twitter around basketball, right? It's these stupid things about it. lists who's better than who. This is why someone so runs from the grind and this and that. And that is a large outsized part of the conversation, much like how the country operates, right? A small minority making all the rules and really loud and controlling everything. This is the same thing happening over here. Of all basketball fans, the people who are doing this, small amount. But because of the loudest and whatever, that is what drives the conversation. And when you are a casual, you turn in, you, because you're not as invested into it as we are and deep into it, oh, this must be what the NBA cares about. They care about, you know, Skip Bayless and -and so-and-so fighting. And is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan? And all these idiotic things that we do, literally. It's the same. Guys, if if you watch this stuff, it's the same fight every single day of the week, right? Mondays is... LeBron better than Jordan. Tuesday is Westbrook. Wednesday, it's, it's the same formula. Week, and especially now, when we got no actual games on, oh, this is, this is all we're getting all summer until training camp starts. And it it's honestly, it's shitty. It, it, I hate it, but this is... the Once the NBA decided to go all in on like Twitter and social media, here we are, friends. It's, um, you know, I think of it like emotion level 10. It can be sad, happy, whatever. But if it's emotion level 10, then it gets a pretty good ratings bump in moment by moment assessments, right? And that's, you know, our our brains are exactly like the Nobel Prize winning work on this was called thinking fast and slow, right? And if you're going to be figuring out the truth, you have to go slow. Mm-hmm. It's just how our brains work. So like emotion level 10 is fast, 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 right? And like, I just feel like it's always going to be popular. It's nothing we're going to do about that. Every movie is going to have car crashes and whatever. Like that's just, you know, emotion level 10 is, is how we're wired. We will look at those things. This is the tiger attacking the gazelle. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, if you want to actually figure out what's happening, it's just exactly wrong, right? It's just exactly wrong. Like it's just not this whole, you know, <laughs> actually, David, you know, I thought of you a little bit too. When Kendrick Perkins is... He's a little older now. I remember Kendrick Perkins being like a very fearsome, mm-hmm. robust giant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked a certain way when he was starting center of Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Now, I'm like, man, he's all of his words are pointing Draymond Green to like, if Draymond Green were a better, bigger man, Draymond Green would punch Kendrick Perkins. This is his message, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, looking at his face, I'm like, you don't want to get punched. <laughs> it's just not a good idea. That, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a little different to get punched at this age. It hurts more. You go and to you're more on doctors TV now. after. Like, <laughs> can't mess up your face now. You're on TV. <laughs> Be on the side of peace when you're this age. This is how age and wisdom go together. Is because old people don't want to fight. <laughs> like. Be old. You look old. <laughs> like, like it's okay. You don't have to be young. Like I mean, let eighteen-year-olds say that dumb shit. <laughs> like that's has okay. Draymond, has Draymond challenged anyone to a fight? I don't know. I, I, if he did, I'm not getting. I I'm not going to referee this. The way, <laughs> no. the way Perk was responding, but it, Perk Perk actually offends me less than than uh, when when someone talks about you know Westbrook or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NBA has a problem. And that we actually keep stats. The media gets away with whatever they want to say because we don't keep stats on the media. So Henry's very sweet to say the things that I've said or, or projected accurately. Fuck, I picked Boston to win the series in seven games. I was wrong, right? I picked Dallas to lose pretty much every round they played, okay? <laughs> uh, I get them wrong, but no one keeps track of that. So they only think of my successes, but I'm, I'm wrong plenty of times. It's hard to predict the future, and, but we don't keep track of it. But we do keep track of these players. So it's an unfair advantage. The media guy can continue to think I'm the smartest guy because no one ever remembers all the shit I've gotten wrong, which everyone gets done. But the, and the NBA, which is the errors are baked into that game too because there's a really athletic, talented guy that's trying to keep me from doing what I want to do on both ends. So I can't be, I, I'm not going against chairs and air. And so it's unfair, which is why Adam Silver, in my opinion, should say to them, his media partners, you can't say anything to Fox. Although he, can, although he could say, well, maybe we're not going to share with you video anymore. But he can say to his own partners, stop making our stars into the bad guys. Just let them say what they want to say. You're allowed to give an opinion on how a player is playing. And if the players trash you for it, be the bigger man. We do that all the time as adults. Just be the bigger man. And then you know what? It'll go away. 
I don't know though. To be honest, I, I don't think Perk spoke on an ESPN platform in this way. I, I don't I think ESPN can decide if they want I agree Perk talking that way, but I don't think Adam's like is like Perk on his own social media can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he can, but you could say, let's stop engaging with these guys on air. You can do whatever you want off. I mean, Call Adam Silver can say it, but like, I don't think right. he has he any leverage, listen, right? But like, you also don't have to sign up the new contract either. Are people really tuning in just for Kendrick Perkins? Right, but this is, I, I mean, I don't watch Adam Silver is a Cadillac salesman and ESPN is a Cadillac purchaser. Like, you can <laughs> strong on them a little, but like, you know, there's a limit. You know, like he, all he does is get money from ESPN. Like, that's his game, yeah, right? Right, um, right. So I, I, I've actually felt there's one other thing here, which is I am like, devastatingly disappointed with media leadership generally, right? Like whoever it is who's supposed to talk Kendrick Perkins into a program that works for the team, just like we're talking about Kyrie rowing, like Kendrick Perkins evidently has zero sense that he needs to row in a certain way. It's going to work for the media company he works for, which is widespread and common in media. But like, it doesn't mean it isn't a real thing, right? It's like, no, it's like, what's our mission? What are we doing here? Like, why? And what is Kendrick, and what is he hurting by doing that? Like, I don't think it's clear to him. And to me, it's like, Adam Silver works for a whole different company hundreds of miles away, right? Like, no, it's like, it's the failures at ESPN, right? It's like, who has the vision Kendrick believes in? Nobody. (laughs) They're just going to do tomorrow what they think is going to work tomorrow. They're going to try again and try again. And they'll bring Skip Bayless back at some point, even though he's whatever. Like, oh, no, they're just going to like rinse and repeat. We're just going to keep doing whatever, get the highest emotion. And there's not really, uh, we're not building to some vision here. No. And I mean, you know, the. Again, it's not a what the FS1 shows, the ESPN shows, those are not journalistic endeavors, right? That's not that's not what that is. Yeah. It is what Henry, it's, it's emotion level 10, right? I, how do I get emotion level 10 for literally how, how long those shows go? I don't know, two, three, four, however long they're, that's a lot of emotion level 10 for four fucking hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. So they got to just do crazy shit like they do and just call players out literally and I, fight, debate them into fighting them. And I do, Twitter. I respect the shit out of Stephen A's ability to just make emotion level 10 out of whatever <laughs> yeah. they got today like Jesus. i mean it's a skill it really it is. is it is like a it's a he, he's amazing at it right but like it feels super urgent it's like i was just a turnover man you know? like, <laughs> all the time like it's just it, it, it's the whole performative nature of it though right it's like jeez louise i know doing right now but it's definitely performative that's for sure yeah but, it, all made but here's the thing those things wouldn't be on if someone somewhere wasn't watching it right yeah, somebody's watching these things. Well, somewhere, as I said, as I said in that Seinfeld episode, when they were trying to George was trying to sell the show to the NBC executive, they said, "Well, uh, why are we watching?" And George said, "Because it's on TV." And the executive said, "Not yet." <laughs> but basically, George's point was, if it's on, someone's going to watch it. I really feel sometimes that they're they're not watching it for educational or or, or um, uh, entertainment purposes. It's just on. That's not a good strategy. There, it's, a, it's a loss of an opportunity, I should say. It's you a guys, loss of an opportunity. I'm not even kidding. Okay. 150 years ago, I worked for WIBA AM Radio in Madison, Wisconsin, where um, we had a little staff meeting. And our ratings were good. We were like, we weren't the only all-news station in town, but we crushed. And, um, and everybody listened. And I was fresh out of college. And I gave a little talk. Basically, like, I'm like, guys, like everyone listens to us because we have to. They have to. Like, we're the only ones who are at the events and covering it live and boom, 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 professional. I was like, but wouldn't it be amazing if they let's do it? Because they wanted to, right? <laughs> like, a, well, what if we, and I had ideas about how that would go. And um, I talked for 90 seconds. And then uh, the program director guy, who was a great guy, I finished talking. He's like, inspiring talk, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> So you got a very early education to, okay, I I get what this business is about. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. (laughs) Inspiring talk. (laughs) But I I loved your earnestness. What if they listened to it because they wanted to? Yeah. (laughs) Not doing that. Yeah. I thought it was going to be pretty easy, but there you go. Anyway. You were you, you were full of all the hopes and all optimism the hope. out, out, out of journalism school. You're like, nah, this is gonna work. I, I got an idea. Oh yeah, I got I could I could I could lay it out for you. If you have 40 minutes, just let me know. I got a whole vision. Yeah, we're gonna take over a, a mid market all news station, and we are gonna crush. I will point out, however, I all, half my job was 
in news. And the other half of my job was produ- was producing a talk show. And during the 18 months I was there, we beat Rush Limbaugh. Ooh. The whole time. Before I was there, we didn't beat Rush Limbaugh. After I was there, we didn't beat Rush Limbaugh. Like, but we fucking beat Rush fucking Limbaugh. And like, and I'm like, actually, you know what I'm fucking doing here, you guys. Folks, Henry does, you know, whenever Henry, you know, a little behind the curtains for you here. Like, Henry knows what he's talking about. You pitch him an idea, he's like, let me tell you why it's not gonna work. <laughs> right? Like he he just Inspiring knows. Inspiring talk, what, Henry. <laughs> no, but it's good. Like, you know what? You're like, people are going to like, gonna respond to this. Ain't going to respond to that. <laughs> I've seen a lot of data, at least. But anyway, yeah, there we go. Let's go to Madison, you guys. We're going to take over a radio station. It's going to be really fun. <laughs> you can each can do 12 hours a day, right? <laughs> 12 hours of radio a day? Holy shit. No, they really get. Oh, my gosh. As long as we're telling boring stories from my past. Here's my favorite. This was a phone call that I got again and again and again. During the talk show, I answered the phone, and people, everyone could just call, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the deal. To your point, Gerard, we didn't have programming overnight. We carried a live news, a global news service. CBS offered, mm-hmm. I forget what it's called, mm-hmm. but they would basically just have wall-to-wall news. But because it's global, they would say, it's 13 minutes past the hour. Yes. Because it's going out to yes. all the time zones, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. most people are fine with, but not one of my most ardent callers. Um, <laughs> she would call me every day and say you got to talk to that guy and you got to tell him that my husband and i use this as like a clock we leave the radio on so we know when it's time to get up and it would be very helpful they would say it's 13 minutes past three and so i was like oh you know what i i don't think we're going to be able to help you with that because they're talking to the whole world so it's all different times no no like they're talking to me. Just tell them to say 13 minutes past three. I don't see why that's hard. <laughs> like, I love it. We did it. We went, we just had that conversation. I would go Every home day. and think about new things to say. Like, how else can I explain this? I never made a single inch of progress. It was like the I most failed it. communication of my life. I think I she's probably it. still calling now. No, I think she's probably dead. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But anyway. I, I remember listening to radio as a kid and I, I remember those like, it's 13 past the hour. Like, yeah, yeah it's just because it is 13 past the hour <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. But it's at any hour, whatever hour you're in, that's the hour it's best. <laughs> that's the best we can do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We started the show with like in like nothing to do with basketball, really. We're ending it with <laughs> same way. the same way. Like we do it. Wouldn't have it any other way. That's how we do this. This burger's on a fluffy bun of not basketball. <laughs> 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 All right. Thank you, Trod. Thank you, David. All right, guys.